0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today. Um, My name is Chris. If you joined our church over the last four months, you may not know who I am. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm thankful to be back from a pretty long extended uh, time away. There's a lot of pressure, you know, when you come back into a space like this and Internal pressure, really, I think I woke up with this morning to try to make sense of, you know, the last four months and a few minutes. And so I just want to say to you, I'm not, I'm not going to try to do that um, in one in one moment. What I do want to do is before we read from from Luke 21, I want to share just a little bit about what's been going on in, in me and in my own heart over the last number of months. And then we're going to read the Bible and we're going to talk about and think about Advent because this is, I think, um, the best time to actually turn our attention to, to Jesus and look for him. And if you think about it, you know, in one way or another, um, we're, we're all looking for Jesus and we're all hoping uh, for peace and we're all hoping for clarity and we're all hoping for something good. Um, I, I think that's just true. And uh, this is the time of year to honor that, that hope, that longing that something would happen that would be good. August first um, will probably go down in my own story as a day of um, pretty massive upheaval and and um, what now I think has been really good and and healthy but I really hit the wall on on August 1st um, was over on the north side we have a, a number of congregations and plant churches out of this church and uh, many of you know that over the Early days of the pandemic, our pastor stepped back from the North side. And so I was responsible to hold on to a church without a pastor, as well as try to lead over here at this church and that stretched on for many, many months. And I don't think I was aware, um, how exhausted I was until on August 1st, we installed John Ziegler and his wife, Jana, um, over there on the North side. And then I went home and went to bed after lunch and I I couldn't get up out of the bed. Uh, If you had put a gun to my head and said, get out of that bed or else, I would have just gone with or else. Um, And that stretched on for for days. I called my bishop, um, called um, trusted friends in my life, advisors and counselors, went in to visit with our staff and just said, I I don't have uh, anything left. I'm I'm out of gas. And I'm proud in a good Christian way um, to be able to stand before you today and say that. I didn't succumb to what a lot of people succumb to when they run out of gas. I I didn't fall into hidden sin, didn't uh, commit moral failure. And I have lots of friends who have uh, fallen into dark, dark, dark places when they hit burnout. But I think the experience of hitting that wall and falling apart and essentially disappearing uh, was very, very real and has been a very transformative experience for me in a very painful way. And so I stand before you today as a person who feels like he has been to hell and mostly back. Um, But I feel more in touch with my um, humanity, my fragility and vulnerability than I ever have in my life. And I count that to be a great blessing, actually. I don't think I knew beforehand how exhausted I was and how responsible I felt for so many things. And it wasn't until I experienced a kind of falling apart, which I can only imagine for some of you who call this church your home, you know, when, when your pastor just disappears for four months, how disorienting and destabilizing even that can be. And yet for me, I really didn't feel like I had a choice. Um, My grandmother used to say, you know, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And I'm the kind of person who always chooses the hard way because of my stubborn uh, nature and my desire to always feel resp- responsible and to do the right thing, and I think that that pushed me into a place of um, deep, deep, devastating burnout i don 't think I knew how anxious I was. Um, I just thought I was really responsible and vigilant, and so there 's a way to dress up anxiety and make it seem like a good thing, especially in the Christian community. We can like think we 're just responsible for everything and There was a moment in um, this time away where I was sitting with my my wife and we were sitting with trusted people and and the guy looked at me and he just said, well, you're just Jesus Jr., aren't (laughs) you? And the truth of the matter is that that I think was a probably more honest um, moniker for me to wear than I was even aware of. And so, a big piece of of my own life and my own journey, as I hopefully enter into a um, second half of of life and ministry, is to do so aware of my own vulnerability and my own humanity and my own fragility. Because the truth of the matter is, that's that's what we all are. Um, we can dress it up and take it to church. We can try to be right and do right and yet at the end of the day we're very small and what's going on around us oftentimes feels really big. And so I just want to say to you that I don't think there's a better time than Advent for me to step back into this space with you because I think that we're all invited to say whether we're ready or not Jesus comes at Christmas. Whether we feel strong or not Jesus comes. Whether we're distracted and confused or not, Jesus comes. That's the thing about a date like December 25th, it's the same date. It comes every year, whether we're ready or not. And so I stand before you today, I think, having recovered something of myself in the last four months um, and early on, it didn't feel like it was going to go that route. I, um, I for the first two or three weeks just sat by the river. Um, I'm so thankful for uh, Walton on the Chattahoochee off Acres Mill Road. And it, it was my, it was my sanctuary for, for about the better part of a month. I, I couldn't read. I, I couldn't listen to podcasts. I couldn't do anything. I just sat and watched the water go by and listened to whole albums from start to finish, not on shuffle for the first time since I was in college. <laughs> I mean, I felt like a real loser, and yet God maybe started to rescue me and save, save my life during that time. And then I wanted to quit this place. I, I wanted to run away from this place because I felt like I couldn't do it. Uh, like, a, like a drug addict, you know, that feels... A sense of compulsion and fear that they're just going to fall back into old ways i worried that i would fall back into old patterns and old ways inside me that would keep me anxious and overfunctioning and feeling responsible for things that are not ultimately um, our responsibility and i moved through those spaces of fear and uncertainty and came to maybe the place that i was meant to be at all all along which is someone who doesn't have um Man, I I feel like I have more questions than answers about so many things and yet I feel loved and secure. I feel like I'm standing in front of you today more sturdy and stable than I have in a really, really long time. And the kicker was I didn't know how close to the edge of burnout that I had come until it happened to me. I'm better at naming my feelings than I ever have been in my life. And I believe the Lord is going to and will continue to be faithful and good. I'm thankful to be standing in front of you, maybe subconsciously. I just waited until we would all have our masks off before I came back, I'm not sure. But I'm glad to see your faces for the most part and to be in this space with you. And so I'm not gonna offer, uh, give you a, a manifesto or something tied up Um, in a with a ribbon or a bow because that's just not the way life works. What I do want to give you is a sense of we're gonna we're gonna all figure out how to move toward Jesus over the next month and we're gonna walk together and we're gonna see what that feels like and what the Lord does in us as we move toward Christmas morning. Over the next weeks, you will hear bits and pieces of my heart and my story. I'm going to be reviving the podcast that I started uh, in the next couple of weeks. And so I'll tell some of the story there, Um, but we're just not going to rush. We're just going to let it be. And I just want to say I'm thankful. Speaking of thankful, I'm I'm thankful for Ashley. I just fell apart and disappeared and actually had to step in with Brad and Amy and our leadership team and lead this church in my absence. And there were days down by that river where I thought, I don't really know much, but I know that Trinity is going to be okay because we got people who are taking care of it. And I just want to say to you all, um, we have good people around here. I'm thankful for John Pitt, who is the senior warden of our vestry. Uh, John in so many ways has served, not just me and not just our staff, but the vestry and just leading without any compensation or pay to do out of the goodness of his heart what I believe the Lord had called him to do in this season. And I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for our whole vestry. I feel like there's been space given to, to move through a hard time, to move through a difficult and painful time. And it wouldn't have happened without a constellation of people. And so I just stand before you grateful, uh, grateful to be here and grateful to be Um, in a good space. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 21. We're going to read and we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord for the grace of God to think deep and true thoughts about the Bible and about the Lord and maybe about where we are in this season of life. There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, Jesus says. Be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth be alert at all times praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the son of man this is the word of the lord thanks be to god God. father we pray and we I ask you for the grace of God to be still, to to be here, God, with whatever it is that we brought with us into this place. Whether we're in a good place or not so good, I pray for your grace to be present. Holy Spirit, we ask for your protection. We pray that you would open up our minds and our eyes, uh, maybe not to think about everything we could think about in a passage like this, Lord, but to maybe hold on to one thing, one thing that would help us, anchor us, orient us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. What a string of images uh, for us to sit with as we enter the Advent season. Signs in the skies and distress and darkness and fear and foreboding. You know, we, we want shepherds and angels and fat babies and songs in the night. And yet this is what we get to start the Advent season. Today begins the the time that leads us up to to Christmas. This is the season of Advent, and the word Advent comes from a word that means coming. It's a time for us to look back to the first coming of Jesus in a manger, but it's also a time for us to look forward in anticipation of the second coming or the return of Jesus. And so no matter how you slice it, Advent is about waiting for a coming. And like I said, when I was reflecting just a few minutes ago, the thing that I love about Jesus is that he's always coming. Whether I'm ready or not, whether I'm in a good place or not, whether I'm paying attention or not, Jesus, he comes. That's what Advent teaches me. It's one of the reasons why I think this season means so much to me, because it reminds me on a calendar every year, despite my circumstance, Jesus comes. Despite the state of the world, Jesus comes. And so we're going to be doing over the next month or so two different kinds of looking. We're going to look back at the first coming, and we're going to look forward and sit in anticipation of the future coming, where God will not leave his project unfinished. And if you're anything like me, you've maybe encountered times and seasons in your life where you have thought, I feel pretty unfinished. (laughs) I feel like things aren't as clear as I want them to be or as resolved as I hope they would be. And yet Jesus comes. Nonetheless, he moves toward us, not away from us. So the first thing I want you to think about is this Advent really is about learning how to wait. Advent is really about learning how to be where you are, even if you don't love where you are and believe that waiting is somehow going to grow something in you. And the truth of the matter is we are just not very good at waiting i am not very good at waiting it's why advent is so important because advent reminds me that i have a very small but very real part to play in my own spiritual formation i have an opportunity to learn how to sit in uncomfortable spaces and wait and we do everything within our power to not wait. We do everything within our power to relieve the tension that's created by waiting for something good to happen. And the truth is our waiting reveals where we really are. Our inability to wait reveals where we really are and where God wants to meet us and help us to grow. And so Advent is an opportunity for us to learn how to wait. Today is the beginning of the church year. so. January 1 is the beginning of of the calendar year, but this is in the liturgical world, the beginning of the church year. It's a a new year and we we light candles and we we mark time because we're learning to wait. We're learning to look forward. We're looking for Christmas, really. I wanna read to you a quote from G.K. Chesterton. I love this because it, it orients me. Chesterton said, people are losing, he wrote this in 1925, people are losing the power to enjoy Christmas through identifying it with enjoyment. When once they lose sight of the old suggestion that it is all about something, they naturally fall into blank pauses of wondering what it is all about. To be told to rejoice on Christmas day is reasonable and intelligible. If you understand the name or even look at the word to be told to rejoice on the 25th of December is like being told to rejoice at quarter past 11 a Thursday week. You cannot suddenly be frivolous unless you believe there is serious reason for being frivolous. And learning to wait for me helps me get in touch with the reason for frivolity. See, all of us, most all of us, want to feel frivolous at Christmas time. Like we want to feel those feelings on Christmas Eve. I love our Christmas Eve services. We're going to be here, I think, four times on Christmas Eve, going all the way up to midnight. And we want to feel that feeling And yet that feeling eludes us when we grow past childhood. And oftentimes it eludes us because we just don't have enough reason to feel frivolous. And we try to make it work. We try to rev it up or make it happen. And then it feels hollow. It doesn't feel like it's working. This is why we have an opportunity to learn how to wait. And I just want to say this to you. What does waiting and building a discipline of waiting look like for you right now? Where might you be invited to learn the discipline of waiting, to let waiting expand you or enlarge you? I think all of us maybe are being invited to answer that question in one way or the other over the next month. We're going to light candles. We're going to maybe put, you know, in your home Advent calendars up. And those things remind us that when Jesus came the first time, the world was really not paying attention. People were just going about their business. And that reminds us that when Jesus comes the second time, the world, we won't be paying attention. We'll just be going about our business, and yet he comes anyway. So Advent is a time for you to learn how to wait, to wait with expectation for something good. When we look at today's text, we see this. The second movement I want to put in front of you is this. Jesus comes in the midst of darkness and confusion. This text, many scholars think this text is about um, the second coming of Christ. N.T. Wright thinks it's about the cross. But I think whether we're looking at the first coming, the cross, and the resurrection, or the second coming, what we see is that it was during darkness that Jesus comes with power and great glory. And so I just want to say this to you. If you find yourself in a dark space, if you find yourself... Like me, feeling some darkness around the edges or some fragility or vulnerability. I just want to say to you, you are a wonderful candidate for the coming of Jesus. He comes toward us in our darkness. But we live in a world, a world that tells us that God would move toward good boys and girls who have it all together. And so we learn from the time we're children to sort of fake it till you make it. And yet what we see here is that Jesus comes in power and great glory at a time and during a time of remarkable uncertainty and darkness. And the message there is the antithesis of what our world teaches us. Our world says God comes or good things come to people who have their act together, who see clearly, who have a plan. And yet what we see here is that God comes to those who are sitting in darkness and confusion it's like one of the miracles of the Bible. And what it should do, what it's meant to do is liberate us to own and admit the places where we don't feel so steady or so solid or so clear. So today, if you're not clear, or, or maybe if you're tired of pretending like you're clear, you're a great candidate for Christmas, Because Jesus moves toward your pain, toward the darkness, toward the confusion, toward the uncertainty, not away from it. Jesus is not like our broken families. Our broken families said, get your act together. Jesus says, I'm moving toward you so that I can heal you. And what Christmas and Advent are meant to be about is a people sitting in a kind of bright sadness to say, would you move toward me? And would I find you, Jesus, in a way where you would meet me? That's what Christmas is. Advent is a time for us to say, we know that which is true, which is that you move toward me. So what does it mean for God to be moving toward you right now? Like if you could just step back and believe that for a minute, that God is moving toward me, where do you need him to be near to you? Where do you need to to be aware of the nearness, the towardness of God? I know what that looks like for me. I think I'm more in touch with that than I ever have been at any other time in my life. That I need Jesus, his towardness. Because without it, This stuff just doesn't work. Christmas, Advent is about God moving toward us. But the last thing I wanna say to you is this, you and me, we do have a a job to do. He moves toward us. But the last thing I wanna say to you is this, he wants you and me to be ready. He wants us to be as prepared, as awake as we can be. So the text says, You know, don't give yourself up to dissipation and drunkenness. I don't even really know what dissipation is, but it doesn't sound great. You know what I mean? Like, it's like something's like, "Mm -hmm." and, 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 but drunkenness, I know what that is. (laughs) And so it's interesting, isn't it? It's like, don't, don't get drunk and don't be dissipated. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to be awake. I don't want you to miss it. And it's got me to thinking, how much do we miss? And I don't just mean like with a bottle in our hands. I, I just mean how much, how much do we miss? H- how many places do we cope with darkness and confusion in ways that just numb us out rather than wake us up? We're, we're all tempted to do this. And what Jesus is saying in this moment, what the Lord is saying is, I want you to do everything you can to be awake because something really good is coming toward you. And if you could just hear with me, Jesus looking at you and saying, I want you to be awake because something really good is coming toward you. What would that land? How would that land in your spirit if it were really true from the heart of God? How might that change the way the next month plays out for us? He wants you to be awake, not to spoil our fun. He just wants us to be awake. And so I believe that there's an opportunity for us to cultivate awakeness over the next month. And the thing that I love about the ancient world is that most people really couldn't afford to get drunk in Jesus's time. Like most people were sober, not because of their own choice. Like I think they would have been as drunk as, you know, our world is if they had had access to it, but they were poor and they were repressed and they couldn't get drunk. But there were some who could get drunk. They were the cultural elites. The people reading Luke's gospel were people who could afford to distract themselves. They were us. They were just like us. People who could afford to distract ourselves. And he's saying, just because you can doesn't mean it's best. So I just want to put in front of you an invitation, one that I feel from the Lord, which is to say, I want you To remind me that you see me and move toward me when I'm in the dark. And I want you, Lord, to help me be as awake as I can. One of the things the Lord has been teaching me over the last four months is how to be more and more present. And I don't even think I knew how anxious I was and how anxiety keeps you from being really present until I began to not feel those things. And a new experience of like being present, being settled, began to emerge. And I thought, oh. This is better. And maybe for you, there's an invitation for you to move through all the static and start to be more present to what you're feeling, to what's happening around you. Because I happen to believe that if we're more present in those ways, we will also be more present and aware of God's nearness. It's almost like a byproduct of settling. So maybe this could be an Advent season where we settle, where we slow down a little bit. It'll make Christmas better. It'll make Christmas feel real. And we got a month. Let's do it. If you can, let's stand together if you're able.